What up? Let's do this. This is Antonio, and this right here is episode 103. In this episode, we talk to my friend Jenny Blake. She's the author of the new exceptional book, Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business, but don't be confused by the title. This is for everyone, not just business owners. In this episode, we'll dig into how to align, design, and assign your work or life. We'll talk about golden hour and how we can create time blocks that allow for greater creativity. And even better, we're going to talk about how we can make life be more easy, kind of like baking a cake. But before we get into it, I would like to invite you to sign up for my five things I'm excited about newsletter. This newsletter is about five things. I'm excited about every week. I send it out on Fridays and people absolutely love it. The link is in the show notes. Also, each week I send out magnificent text messages that people love. If you want in on that magic, text me right now at 310-564-7124. That number is in the show notes. All right, without further ado, let's get to episode 103. Hey, welcome to the Antonio Nev Show, where I remind you each week that no matter where you stand today, your story isn't over yet, the best is ahead. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot and a Success Coach. Today, we're talking to my dear friend, Jenny Blake JB. Now, look, you may remember her from episode 28 of the podcast when we talked about, get this, what you can learn from a pandemic. That's one of my most listened to episodes, and that's for a good reason, because it's dope. And I'll put a link to that in our show notes. But let me tell you about my friend, Jenny Blake, real quick. Jenny is a genius at helping business owners move from friction to flow using smarter systems. She's the host of not one, but two podcasts, those being Pivot with Jenny Blake and Free Time. Jenny, get this. We're, we're, we're keeping this going, guys. Jenny is the author of multiple books, including the acclaimed book, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One gangster subtitle, by the way. And today we're going to talk all about her new stellar, amazing book, Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business. Already it has received rave reviews from killer outlets like Kirkus and Booklist. And yes, it's already a number one bestseller on Amazon. The link to the book is going to be in the show notes. But without further ado, Jenny Blake, welcome back to the show. Oh, my goodness. That might be my favorite intro of all time. We should all be so lucky to have a Tony Neves official intro. There you wow. go. Yeah. I'm blushing over here. Thank you. Yeah, it's all well-deserved. And the good thing is that it's all true. And uh, before we, I'm, I'm going to say the most important thing about this book right off the jump. Is that okay? Of course. I'm on page 179. I show up on page 179, everyone, just so you know. So oh, you, yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. And then you're forgetting a second most important thing. Listeners, if you want to really embarrass the two of us, this is our 10 year friendiversary. And there is a video on YouTube for the sleuths among you from 2012, where Tony is interviewing me with his signature style that he is now bringing to this podcast. And I watched it the other day in preparation for this and was just cracking up. <laughs> I'm going to put a link. What were we doing? At who knows? What but, we're oh, doing? my God, it's so embarrassing. Who knows? I'm going to put yeah. a link to that in the show notes. It's, a, it's still a pretty 
pretty doggone good episode. Got a lot of a lot of views on it YouTube. Is. I'm gonna put a link in there. So yeah. hey, at the top okay. of this, I mentioned our previous conversation where we discussed what you can learn from a pandemic. Both you and I, our businesses were going through a lot during that time. And Jenny, when I went back and I listened to it, is it just me or were some of the ideas for this book percolating? Because it was right before, if I recall correctly, right before you started the free time podcast. Yes, it was all percolating and the themes are there. I feel like it's been so interesting watching your journey too. You are featured in the book and specifically you have twins. So you got married in the time that I've known you, you got married, you had twins, you're running your own business. And as our lives evolve and things like a global pandemic strike, we have to adapt and we it becomes even more crucial to have these systems in place so we can keep doing our best work. And I know that's a huge focus of what you share here and stop living on autopilot, that that's, that's why a lot of these ideas were percolating because with so much stress and pressure and uncertainty in the world, I still think that so many of us, certainly all of your listeners are here asking, and yet how do I carve out the time for the stuff and the people that I really care about? Absolutely. And this is going to this next question is going to be a generic one, but I promise you it's going somewhere official. In a nutshell, who would you say this book is for? I say this book is for anybody struggling with what I call the burdensome bees. You're feeling bored, burnt out, bottlenecked or buried by bureaucracy. I wrote it as a love letter to small business owners. I do think that anyone could benefit, even if you're working in an organization. 67% of people say they want to work for themselves someday or they have the idea that they want to do that. And it's very easy, as you know, when you work for yourself to become your own worst boss. So just because we leave the corporate structure does not mean that we don't run ourselves into the ground and burn out and get buried by min minutia and admin. So that's really who it's for. It's directly for small, what I call heart-based business owners who want to free their time to do more of their best work. And secretly, it's for their team members because I just envisioned business owners being able to hand it to new team members saying, this is how we work. Here's the training guide. Read this. We'll all be so much happier. Yeah, and it definitely accomplishes that across the board. And you know, what's wild is that, of course, this book is going to be categorized as a business book. But listen, uh, for, for all of you listening right now, this is also straight up a spiritual book, okay? Folks are going to walk away, yes, with a better business, but also some personal healing. When I see authors dropping Rumi and, you know, Khalil Gibran and so many other wise voices, I was like, hold up. And what's wild, Jenny, is that, you know, I think offline we've talked about this. Your previous books had some hints, some hints of this in there, but they're kind of hidden in plain sight, you didn't like go all in, I would say, to your spiritual side, if you will. Question I have for you is, did you give yourself permission to open up more in this book and just to, to share more of you? I love that you're asking this because, yes, and a big theme of free time is permission. I think that what all of us crave is actually permission to do things differently and to drop a lot of the noise and say no to a lot of the BS and just where we get buried in never ending inboxes and scrolling on social media. So yeah, the spiritual side, I kind of think about it, especially with pivot. I was determined that pivot be categorized as a business or career book. I did not want it in the self-help hinterland and don't get me wrong. No shade. I love self-help. I love every kind of personal development book that there is. I've been reading them for decades, 
But I wanted the book to be in businesses and in companies. And yet this thread of spirituality, people could, couldn't help but pick up on it. That, that That's the soul of the book. And with free time, you're right. I did give myself permission. And I also stopped apologizing. Like nowhere in free time do I say, sorry if this is a bit woo-woo, but I believe you should lean on your intuition in business. No, I'm just saying your intuition is one of the biggest strengths that you have. And here's why. Or the energetic fingerprints. You know, there's a line, one of my favorite subjects in the book is how we bake is what we make is as as important as what we make. Yeah. How we bake is as important as what we make is all about the energy of how we build is as important as the finished product. Yeah, and I want to talk about that cake in a second, about how we can let it be easy, let it be easier. You give a great story about the cake in the story. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm really glad that you give yourself permission to do so. Uh, I'm glad you're not apologizing. I know very well firsthand what it what it looks like to apologize for being who I am. Having to apologize when I show up, hey, I'm about to like giving that preamble before I go somewhere versus just going there. That could be a subject of a whole other podcast. But for you people listening right now, that's exhausting, y'all. Take off that uniform. Just be you. Shine, shine out through and through. If folks don't like it, that's okay. That's on them, not on you. That's a different conversation right there. You know, recently I posted something on LinkedIn that got a lot of love. And I basically said in this LinkedIn video, I said, you're not crazy busy. You simply are distracted and lack focus. And that hit people in so many different ways. Like you're not crazy busy, which seems to be a badge of honor nowadays. You're distracted and lack focus. And then as I was reading your book, you tell the story about being a kid growing up in the Bay Area and how you had this aggressive schedule as a kid stacking days. And right, it seems like it's no wonder that we carry this into college, university, and then into our careers have you seen and this is obviously i know the answer to this but you have you seen people carrying being crazy busy having that crazy packed calendar as like as a badge of honor oh yeah and sometimes I, I scratch my head when people will reach out to me and say i know you're crazy busy but and i think to myself i mean we're all making choices and making trade-offs that's it i, I don't know Okay, ever since I got my dog, he's a little over two years old. He's a German Shepherd. He's the love of our life, me and my husband. Could I say I'm crazy busy because I have I'm walking him twice a day now? No, I'm just making different choices with where I'm placing my time and energy and attention. And you mentioned growing up as a kid. I think a lot of us talk about our money stories and the money stories that we learn from our parents and society or that we inherit. And a lot of them can be unconscious. When I was working on this book, I realized my time blueprint, how I related to time was set when I was very young. And yeah, I grew up in San Francisco till seventh grade when we moved to the suburbs. But as a very young kid, I had a key around a string around my neck. And part of my childcare was just going from one activity to the next after school. So I would take the Muni bus down to this community center and I would just go to piano tutoring, do homework, go to ballet, then jazz, then acrobatics, gymnastics, whatever it was. It was always three or four things until my mom could come pick me up. And that was just how we did it. But I learned to have this crammed all day, every day, very ambitious schedule in relationship to time. So, so much so that as even when I was self-employed, I had a very hard time in the early days, not recreating that. I would say I wanted more space in my calendar and my day and more spaciousness. And then I would look out to the next month and see it all packed again. I'm like, how, why does this keep happening? 
So it wasn't until I started setting really clear boundaries and parameters and slowly rewiring my brain and my relationship to time and what a week looks like that I was able to recover some of that and and shift to something that is more easeful and joyful, as you said. Yeah. By the way, when I was reading that in the book, you know, you, you know, it's funny when you learn things about people, when you uncover them, whether it's through a book or you listen to them on podcasts. And I've, I've listened to you on plenty of podcasts. And I love like learning these things I didn't know about you before. As I just imagine you being this this kid, sixth grader or fifth grader on like public transportation in San Francisco by yourself. I'm like, I understand your maturity. I understand why you can be an entrepreneur. I understand your level of confidence because not a lot of folks have experienced that at that age, that that autonomy. Isn't it wild? Like, and I guess that was normal then. I grew up, I was born in 83 and this, so we're talking about late 80s, early 90s. But I mean, I could not imagine sending like seven or eight year old kids just on a city bus and going around like, I mean... That's just I, they, my mom, I guess, was, was like not super worried. And thank goodness she's not a helicopter parent in that way at all. But, yeah, it did create a lot of independence and a lot of a lot of I think my entrepreneurial spirit comes from just like and my love of books just comes from keeping myself entertained in those days. And I have a younger brother, too. So I would always I would make him play school, which is really funny because now what do I do? Teach, coach, talk on podcasts and stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> dope. You figured it out, though. It all worked out even in the big city. Let's briefly dig into the free time framework. For me, I learn under frameworks. I like to teach under frameworks. You know, it's A, B, C, et cetera. And your framework of align, design, and assign. I'm curious, could you just break each of those down for the listeners and for me real quick? Sure. Well, the, the where this starts is with the diagnostic. Where are you experiencing friction instead of flow? So friction is a feeling in your life or your work, anywhere where you feel it's heavy, draining, you dread this, you're procrastinating, you just, it just drains, drains your energy, drags you down. Flow is where things are flowing. Time is flying. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote a book called Flow, talks about a near ecstatic state of bliss where the sun could rise and set and you're still happy and in the moment. So wherever you are experiencing friction, we have an opportunity to work through the free time framework. As you said, align is about, does this area align at all? Should you be doing it at all? And if so, what values, energy, and strengths of yours does it connect into? Because I find that when we can align or realign with something we care about, it makes the next steps easier. But sometimes we skip ahead and we try to do too much things that aren't aligned or that aren't clicking into place. The design stage is what is your ideal outcome, impact, and process before you start, before you get anyone else involved, really intentionally designing what the impact is going to be. What is this going to look like when it's done? What is the process you want to take when tackling it? And then the third stage, assign. This is intentional because I think a lot of people stop at the design. They, they design everything and they go, okay, let me go to town. Let me build this now. But that's where we become the bottleneck because we're doing too much. So assign is very purposefully the whole entire third stage, a third of this framework is get this off your plate. Who will do what by when? And that we can all be creative in work and at home of what we can assign to other people so that we stay in that, as Gay Hendricks calls it, that zone of genius, the work that we and only we are, each of us is uniquely qualified to do. 
I'm glad you said work and home, because let's be clear, whether you own a business or not, everything Jenny talks about can be applied to your personal life. It can be applied to your business life, whether you own a company or you are an employee of a company, it applies to absolutely everything. And it's so funny as you were talking, because as I was going through the book, you, you, you probably get this is going to make so much sense to you. The design is like when I, when I was in the design portion, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was getting fired up all about the design and where I felt the most resistance and friction was the assign. And we've had conversations about this offline. Uh, so that's, you know, that's just that awareness right now. I'm glad I have that now because typically I do skip the assign portion, but I'm all about the design and the line piece. So that's key. You said something interesting too. You said just identifying where we experience friction. And you also mentioned uh, Gay Hendricks. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have spent a good amount of time with Gay Hendricks. If you haven't read, you know, one of his many books, you know, a lot of people talk about conscious living, talk about conscious loving. He wrote with his wife, Katie Hendricks, conscious uh, loving. I mean, so many other books. Question I was asked at a a workshop with them that I love so much was the question of how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel inside? And very rarely in life do we ever ask ourselves that question as it relates personally or as it relates to business. So I'm glad you brought that up, you know, in the in alignment phase of things. So I'm going on a diatribe, obviously. Uh, I mentioned how I truly, truly connect to that design piece. What portion do you find that most people struggle with out of those three? Is it, are folks like me and they struggle with the assign? Yeah, I think you're not alone in struggling with that because There's often a chicken and the egg conundrum that enters at the assigned stage. Can I afford this? If so, who should I even hire? How do I want to tackle this? Oh, there's so much work up front. There is. There is a delegation curve of having to explain something and onboard somebody new to your world. But it's so important. And I will say, I do think Align, sometimes people struggle there because they don't know. They they have not yet tuned into their energy and said, is this aligned? A lot of times guilt and shoulds clouds the picture. So that that's the struggle of that stage. With the sign, I mean, this is what I find very interesting, Tony, and I'm bringing it up here with you because, you know, in the business world, almost every single book about systems and operational efficiency, which is the secret topic that free time is about, <laughs> They're all written by men. Mm. Every last one of them is written by men. And I hate to say it. I know we're getting toward more and more gender parity and even like total gender spectrum now in society. However, you, you mentioned this stuff is relevant, not just for work, but for home. Yes, it is. And I find that not enough of the current content in this space acknowledges the tremendous amount of work that is going on at home just for the adulting process. Like you're married, you have two kids. How much laundry is that generating every week? Who's handling it? How? When does it get done? I mean, it sounds so silly. But for me, some of my biggest friction areas are home related. They're related to all the stuff that's creating clutter, the life administravia. And I just find that and not that I think we we need to have gender roles of who's doing what at home, but a lot of the business press, a lot of the people who are writing have someone at home taking care of everything. In my case, I am the primary breadwinner and my gender happens to be such that it's like culturally assumed I'm going to take care of certain things at home and I don't want to. Mm. So that means I need to get more creative about this assign stage of a line design assign. What do I, what drags my energy down? I hate washing bedding. I hate it. It takes all day. Okay, great. So I can design and assign, but I got to figure it out. And there's not just the doing of the work, but the cognitive load of the person who notices that it needs to be done in the first place, whether it's at home 
or in the business. Sorry, that's my tirade. You had your, I, you I yours, and that is one of mine. I love that tirade because you have me thinking about, you know, home right now and uh, what how things happen here and how things sometimes don't happen and how certain things have been assigned, not assigned, but also what you're talking about. And I think maybe why uh, I struggle with the assigned piece is because something I've struggled with throughout my life, not as much these days anymore, but I've struggled with um, maybe conflict is the wrong word, but having tough conversations. You know, right now, anyone listening to this right now, you probably can visualize someone in your head that you need to have a conversation with something that needs to be addressed. It could be a spouse. It could be a, a child of yours. It could be someone you work with. It could be a family member. But we're so unwilling. And I'm going to put this I'm going to put this in the assigned category. We're so unwilling to have that that tough conversation that things don't get done and then resentment gets built up. You name it, et cetera. So uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I want I want to hit on a few more things in your book. And I think, again, I just mentioned tough conversation, but you have a, a great example you mentioned earlier about cake and the, the two ways somebody can go about baking a cake. But more importantly, just the idea of let it be easy. It's as if we have to assume anything has to be a struggle. It has to be an uphill climb. So could you talk a little bit more about that cake? People are going to think we're talking about dancing or something like that. So could you, could you talk more about the cake and, and letting it be um, easy? Yes, absolutely. And before I do that, I just want to say one more thing about a sign. <laughs> I love your story in the book. And yes, thank you for calling out. It's page 179. Mm. Here's what I love is that you were worried when, about assigning some of the work, let's say with interacting with speaking clients, you were worried that they might be offended on the subject of difficult conversations, or they might take it personally that you're not involved in handling every detail. But what you shared with me on the free time podcast that is now in the book is that it actually made the time they had with you more special. So instead of you doing all the details, the scheduling, the coordination, the invoicing, et cetera, when you delegated that to someone else, it meant that when you showed up on a pre-event planning call or on that stage, they valued you so much. And that time became so much more special to the clients. And I think that's an example of letting it be easy. That the hard way is assuming, well, these are my red carpet. These are my VIP clients. I need to work really hard for them. I need to work around the clock. I need to handle every detail. And that's what they're going to appreciate. But actually, let it be easy is, and what if I'm wrong? What if I did less and they actually appreciated me more? What does that look like? It doesn't mean that our life, our work is always going to be easy. I think you do such a great job, Tony, of just balancing, reminding us of what grit is and what hard work is. And, and your work ethic and discipline in athletics and business over the years is so impressive. And if we only tell ourselves that work and life is so hard and it's a grind and it's a slog, we never are going to think creatively about how can I let this be easy? How can I let this be fun? What does that look like? And at least enabling that as a creative question means we at least have a chance not to have it all be a grind. Yeah. And, and before we talk about, again, the, the cooking of the cake example, but the question you just framed is one that we very rarely, and I'll speak for myself. By the way, everyone listening, I'm so good at supporting others. Like I'm, I, I'm not going to front, like I'm an exceptional coach. I'm great at companies, but let's be clear. I can struggle with me. When you, Whenever you see a message from me, whether it's on my podcast, whether it's a tweet, whether it's a LinkedIn post, a short video, you know who I'm talking to first, not you. I am talking to me to remind myself, but you just said something powerful. What if I'm wrong? 
Those four questions, we very rarely, if ever, are willing to question our assumptions. And that's something this book does extremely well. And you do it like a coach, because here's the deal. What I love about your book, and I think a lot of people forget this, is there's a difference between coaching and consulting. A lot of your book is coaching. You ask so many great questions. And then, but you ask the questions and then, then that lead to the process. It's very, a lot of consultants, a lot of these other books you just mentioned about creating efficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. It's like do X, do Y, do Z. But very rarely are they prefacing all of that with what if I'm wrong? How do I want to feel? How could I make this easier? What intention should I set? You know, the key things that you break down in this book. I don't have a question there, Jenny, uh, if you want to talk about uh, making cake, but I just like that there are questions <laughs> that make it accessible. Uh -huh. That don't, doesn't, it makes me want to lean in versus giving me a, making me give you a stiff arm. I love that. I mean, thank you for, for acknowledging that. And yes, I think I, part of that comes from having been a coach for a long time, even though I don't do one-on-one -on -one anymore. I like to know the logic, even when I am assigning things, I like to share the logic, the operating principles behind a process. And I also like to question a lot of what's going on in mainstream business. What are the shoulds? Who's profiting from the pressure you feel? Who, who's putting the pressure on and why? And was it intentional? Like, who said that as soon as text messaging got invented, we all have to jump at our phone the second it buzzes? Who, invent, who said that? And was it designed with our health in mind and our presence or, and our you know, attention in deep work? Or was it just designed to get us glued to our phone? So, yes, a lot of the questions are just to help people step back and, and really understand, okay, yeah, what if there is a different way? What if there is a better way? What if everything wasn't going to fall apart if I take a stance of let it be easy, let it be fun instead of let business be a 24-7 hustle grind? And then the cake baking thing, here's the thing. It is a privilege to work. I know some of us have jobs. Sometimes you're in a phase of life where you're in a job that you don't like and you need to pay the bills, and that's cool. But as soon as you are doing work that's creative, that's interesting, what I find is there's no point to kind of like kill yourself to make something and then be like, oh, I'm so exhausted and burnt out here. I made this for you. And that's the cake baking story that I share in the book that I don't think anyone wants to eat that cake because we saw that you practically killed yourself in the process and you seem so upset and drained and burnt out and tired. Whereas that's kind of me in the kitchen. <laughs> it's like I create really like I'm not a pro at this. Whereas my husband will like get in the kitchen and bake with abandon. Christmas carols are playing in the middle of the year. He's whistling. He's singing. He doesn't use a recipe. He's throwing all kinds of ingredients in. And it's such a joyful process that it's so fun to eat whatever he makes, cake or otherwise. And that's that like for him, it's food is love. But really our creative projects can be an exercise in love and an exercise in enjoying every single step of it. Because as you know, even something like writing a book, it's very complex. But I don't think anybody wants to hear an author complaining constantly of how hard it is. Yes, if we can acknowledge what's difficult, it can help other people realize, you know, you're not alone when you're working on something hard and complicated. But cake baking, this energetic fingerprint is like, let savor every stage of it so that when it is going out into the world, it has that joy embedded in it. It's not this like thing that you suffered for <laughs> and now need it to succeed 
because it was so terrible. Yeah. I mean, listen, you bring up a couple of things when you share that. Three things I'm going to think about if I remember them all. One, every author seems to complain about writing a book, right? What a privilege it is to get to write a book. It's the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Be quiet. You know what? Just just be thankful people are going to buy your right. book. You know, it's a privilege you got to write it. I, I'm sure I've said that on podcasts myself. Second, I think about the cake baking and there's some shifts that I have to make personally. I, I do a lot of the cooking at home and I can't, I, I'm, I'm not going to front and say that I'm always doing it with joy and having a good time. And I'm like, I'm showing up with this energy of I have to cook, blah, blah, blah. And it's delicious food, I think, but it would taste so much better if I had a better attitude. Uh, when I was going about it, you know, with my family and the kids, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not, a t- I'm not on tirades in the kitchen, but I'm already just noticing small shifts that I can make to make that dinner, that process more enjoyable, where I think they probably will eat more of the vegetables if I shift, not they shift, if I shift. Lastly, I think yes. about, you um, know what, what, real quick, my friend Ann cooks in the morning before everyone else is awake. No one can talk to her. No one can ask what's for dinner. No one bothers her. She cooks in the morning and then later she heats it up and it's already ready when she's tired in the afternoon. And I love that. She, and I recall this from the book. She does yes. that in one pot to make it easy. Yes, for she does. The, yeah. The third thing I think about is, you know, what shows up when you show up, right? And what shows up? Are we bringing joy like you just described your husband and how he's cooking or are we bringing Friction and a reminder to me and everyone else is make sure you're giving your best to the people that matter most. I think sometimes we give our best to strangers, to clients, you know, not that they shouldn't get us, but, you know, our family, you know, our spouses, our family, our kids, et cetera, deserve the best of us. Uh, OK, uh, I want to get to two last things. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. Me too. Sometimes Always. I, this is why you're hosting the free time launch day pods. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like I can't think of anyone better than you. More information on that. I'm going to support Jenny <laughs> in the release of uh, of this book. Yes. We're going to have some more conversations. I got a feeling over the this year and in the, in the, in the coming years, we're going to have a lot more of these conversations. Don't know what it's going to look like, but got a feeling it's going to happen. So let me tell a quick story. Back during my television days, a lot of listeners don't know, for over 12 years, I worked as a reporter, correspondent in New York City with a lot of different television networks. I've done television commercials. I've, I've done everything. Uh, and there's something called golden hour in television. And many times with television, golden hour is when you have that perfect lighting. And we want to get that shot. And there were times during my TV days with NBC, we're filming somewhere like a, we have to get this shot to open the show up in golden hour because that light's going to be perfect. And what's crazy is that, you know, when it happens, you got to be ready. There's no no practicing because that golden hour can come and go. Uh, and it's just beautiful. Like everything's perfect. I'm making this too long. But I love, Jenny, that you bring up this idea of golden hour for time blocks with people. So could you unpack what that looks like for folks? Yeah, I love that you have this on the ground experience with it because often golden hour is either at sunrise or sunset so that yields some early photo shoots <laughs> sometimes and you you said who's getting your best energy and i think the the number one recipient of your best energy should be you because stop, that's the source stop, of stop, generating stop for a second <laughs> stop for a second hold on who's getting your best i think the person that should get your best interview is you can we let me let's just take both yes. of us we can't talk for three seconds hold on okay you can continue i'm sorry for interrupting the all flow. right i love that you just put that put an exclamation mark on it yeah i say claim it it's yours and that's what golden hour what is your optimal energy window and you claim that that is yours do not give it to anyone else 
I mean, yes, if if it's like being with your family during the your best energy window of the day, it feels really good and aligned by all means. I don't think your fam- family should just get scraps. What I mean is this. Like I am such a better person at the end of the day when Michael and Ryder and I all are hanging out if I have gotten big thrilling things done. And so I know that I'm the best and the freshest and I do my best work in the morning. And I actually get resentful and cranky if I don't block that off and it just gets steamrolled or interrupted or scheduled over. I get very cranky. That's what turns me into the person I don't want to be at the end of the day. And I also know that I'm friggin' terrible in the afternoon. As one of my clients said to me, I don't even know my own name at three o'clock. I I just start stumbling on my words. I forget things. I'm distracted. I start multitasking. It's horrible. It's a nightmare. So I, when I was doing coaching, I used to tell clients, you don't want me at 3 p.m. Like, believe me, we should try for this earlier window because you're going to get a much better session. So this is a two-step process. One, notice when is your best energy? When are you at your absolute best? And then two, protect your time. Protect your calendar. Block that off now with a recurring entry in your calendar so that nobody can schedule over it. And if you need to leave the house, I know a lot of people are working from home right now and and these days, but if you need to leave the house so that you have an uninterrupted creative golden hour window, you can do that. There are things like WeWork now allows on-demand drop-in for $29 a day. There are coffee shops. There are ways to protect that time. 100%. And to your point, like I'm at my best in the morning when I'm doing creative work, when I'm writing. And unfortunately, I'm really good at not doing what I need to be doing, even when I have that time blocked out. Like it makes no sense for me to research airlines or hotels. I shouldn't be doing that or different things during that time when I'm at my best creatively. It's like, what a waste of like my genius time. Uh, So now like I block that mornings to do creative work. There are specific days I do coaching now. There are specific days I do podcasts now to protect that space. I'm not going to record a podcast post 3 p.m. my time to your point because I'm no good at that time. Uh, So I'm glad that you point that out. Hey, I love people who are like, I'm going to pull an all-nighter. I'm at my best after midnight. Have fun because I'm going to be sleeping because uh, I'm embedded because <laughs> I'm embedded at 845. Have fun with Me your all nighter. I'm not doing it. I'm having so much fun with this conversation. And, and this is going to be my last question for you, Jenny. And it, it's about your book, but it's also not about your book. So here it is. What I love, one thing I love to do when I read books, I love to read acknowledgments at the very end of the book. And I love to read dedications. And your dedication in this book was to daddy-o, to your pops, to your father. And that stood out to me because I'm a father now. And it made me think about down the road, if one of my kids decides to write a book, what would it take for me to be the kind of dad for them to write a dedication to me? So could you tell me, this is selfish, by the way, this is for me. Tell me about your dad and what he did for you uh, to create that space for you to, to write that amazing dedication to him. Oh my goodness. I love that you pulled this out. Talk about a powerful question. What would you need to do to be the kind of dad your kids write a dedication for? Oh, that's just so meaningful that you even pulled it out. Uh, Daddy-O has edited every one of my books. I've, this is my third one. 
And he rolls up his sleeves and he treats these books like they're his own. And he does not pull punches. So he he says, you want gloves off? And the answer is always yes. And gloves off means this thing is going to come back to me in shreds, <laughs> like red pen everywhere. The pages will be bleeding. Uh, he talks about Occam's razors, like all about simplicity and say more with less. He has little phrases that are so funny. We've developed this shorthand because it's been 10 years of collaborating on my three books. And he's even written a couple books, jimblake.co, if you want to read his writings. And um, he'll have an abbreviation like, we know it's your book, W-K-I-Y-B. And, and so anywhere where I say, I believe or I think, he'll just cross it off. We know it's your book. And or fuzz. That means I've written a fuzzy writing. Anyway, so he's just so involved. And he also is a really, he's like a renaissance man, artist, musician, architect. He does all kinds of things, reading, writing. Um, but he will really dig into the ideas with me as well. So he just loves to talk about the ideas that are in the book, riff off them. He'll even like his level of feedback is, oh, this can't be a lens because a lens refracts light. Whereas what you're saying is it's really a filter. And I'm like, oh, my God, like what editor gets this involved to have that nuanced level of feedback? So that's why this one's for Daddy-O because he has done that for all three books. And I really felt so strongly also that he lives free time because money is not his driver. It's time and his creative projects. And he is like teaching himself guitar and songs that he used to play when he had a band 25 years ago and wants to perform on a stage in New York. And I just love how committed he is to his own learning and growth and creative process. That's awesome. Well, well, I know this is about you, but shout out to Jim Blake, to jimblake.co. Yes. We're going to make somebody uh, mess up. We're going to get you the .com as well, Jim, if you're listening. We're, we're going to get both of those for you. <laughs> don't don't let whoever has jimblake.com, don't slip. We're going to take that back. <laughs> we're going to. That's right. While we're at it, we're going to reclaim jennyblake.com too, because I never could get that one either. Hey, how about antonionevs.com as well? Because none of it, I don't have that what? either. No, man, some dude. Tell me. Some dude, some amazing artist actually in Portugal. Is, uh, right. <laughs> anyhow, Jenny Blake. Jenny Blake, I, I can't thank you enough. I'm, bl- I'm just blown away that none of us have our own names.com. Uh, anyhow. Uh, <laughs> There's your website. None of us have our own names.com. <laughs> the Antonio yes. Hey, that sounds pretty official. That's what I, I mean. I'm that, into it. It's it, like a, your own blue check mark. It works. That's what I have today. But hey, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me again on this podcast. I love that we've known each other 10 years now. You know, free time, lose the busy work, love your business. It's available right now. It's going to be a link in the show notes. I promise you, you're going to get so much out of this book from a business perspective. Uh, but most importantly, I'm actually happy to say from a personal perspective as well. Uh, so everywhere you can find Jenny will be in the show notes. Once again, Jenny, I wish you the utmost success on this book. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast really soon. Thank you so much. You are Seriously, one of the just best, most joyful hosts. I, I, my cheeks are hurting from smiling so much. So thank you, Tony, for being the genius that you are. And this long career of being channeled into your own show now is just amazing. Thank you. And thank you, everybody listening for being here. You, you made it to the end of the podcast club, as my friend Neil would say. I really appreciate it. You made it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Antonio Nev Show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jenny Blake. I had so much fun talking to her. For more information about the episode, all the links that we referenced, just head on over to my website at theantonionevs.com. Hey, if you still haven't followed The Antonio Nev Show yet or left a review, I invite you to do so right now. This way we can keep spreading the word across the globe. And hey, if you know someone who would dig this episode, share it with them right now. Okay, I will see you back here next week with another great episode. In the meantime, remember the best is ahead. When you work and believe that the best is ahead, things begin to change for the better. Never forget, you have a say in this.